This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking Wonder Woman 1984. And we're bringing all the parachute pants. Can't touch this. <laughs> we are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Hi! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We do give two movies via most of story for review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 432. 432? Well, it's, it's very perfect for 1984. Yeah, 432-84, you know, makes sense. Yeah, that, 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 that stream of numbers you just read off and said makes sense. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this week, Don't yes. dial it. <laughs> this week we are talking Wonder Woman 1984, the follow-up to 2017's Wonder Woman, which has been... Was it three years ago? Yeah, it's been... It, wow. it was technically supposed to come out last year, so it would have been two years later, but here we are. Sure. Uh, regardless... Uh, we are we are talking Wonder Woman 1984, and joining us to discuss the film we have from Fast Film Reviews, he's lassoed his way back from the mall. It's Mark Hoban. Hi everyone. Hey Mark, that's a fast way to travel to the mall. <laughs> use, that, lasso. use that magic lasso. Mark, how how are you doing this holiday season? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good, and uh, glad to be back and uh, ready to talk about arguably the most anticipated release of the year. Oh quote on the poster there <laughs> well yeah we are we are going to talk about a, a very big release but i do want to get to some show notes first and first up is uh yeah happy holidays to everyone that's celebrated whether it was christmas or hanukkah which ended a week early or two weeks earlier or what have you uh certainly a lot of seasons greetings to go around and uh, what else um this is a we got we got a few got a few shows in the works here obviously we got this show we have a soul episode coming soon as well we do plan to talk about the Small Axe anthology of films from Steve McQueen. And, of course, there's our top ten films of 2020. Not to yes. mention any other stragglers we get by. Like, you know, we can still – now that Tenet's out and Abe has a chance to see it, we can actually talk about Tenet at some point. Uh, I, I know Abe's also <laughs> – I can't been, wait to watch it on my laptop screen and then talk to you about it. Abe, Abe's been hankering to talk about the New Mutants as well. So that will, you know, get yes, some play, of as course. like a, maybe an Out Out Nights episode. And, can uh, I just say I yeah. am most excited for the top ten – uh, movies of 2020. I mean, every year I anticipate that podcast, but I think this year more than any other, I'm very excited to hear what like people have picked for this year because I think it's it's been you know an interesting year. Yeah, I, to say the least. To say the to least. To say the least. I I would say not to give too many things away, but I would say there's no shortage of really good movies out there. But yes, I do like the idea that there will be a stronger variety because there won't be some of the more usual suspects, perhaps. But we'll see. Um, I think if ever there was a year where we need to have a top 10, this is it. That's a good way to put it. And I look forward to uh, recording that show. We'll be doing that soon enough. I, I'm currently writing my top 10 list right now, actually. Um, but what else? New commentary where, track. Where are you writing it over at Fast Film Reviews? Where am I writing it? <laughs> That's actually for Mark. <laughs> That's for Mark, yeah. <laughs> Ruin that joke. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's this great banter that keeps us going. <laughs> it's the the fuel. It, it's the little kids to our uh, Snowpiercer engine. It's that you know easygoing chemistry. <laughs> it's the little kids. That's my, all right. <laughs> New commentary track. We recorded one this month for Star Wars: Colon The Force Awakens. Uh, oh, that was a lot of fun and a lot of time because it's like a two and a half hour commentary track. Long but, movie. But uh, no, yeah, we had a, we had a good time talking all about the film. 
Um, and yeah, that's available now on iTunes. Um, our next comment, as I'll just say this right now in advance because we have this already planned, from July to May, we are going to do the Thomas Harris series of Hannibal Lecter-related films. That's right. Manhunter, Silence yes. of the Lambs, yes. Hannibal, Red yeah. Dragon, and Hannibal oh. Rising to top it all off with the best of them all. So that's that's the plan. Cannot wait. Wow. That is, that is our, our next five months worth of commentary track. So get ready and get sure hot. Hannibal Lecter does McDonald's commercials now? I hope so. Yeah. He, he loves talking he, about the McRib. voice. Yes, exactly. He's telling us the McRib is. Bad. Are you being serious? Is Anthony Hopkins voicing McDonald's commercials for no, the McRib? No, it's, it's uh, Brian Cox. Oh, he is? That's even better. Yeah, Brian Cox is doing the McDonald's heads. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, So what is the last thing that you're talking about in the Hannibal Lecter series? Hannibal Rising, of course. Hannibal Rising. Okay. We, which we all remember very well. There's a, there's a, <laughs> yeah. And is then that the Dumb and Dumber so 2 are... to the Hannibal Lecter series? It's a movie. <laughs> Mark, what were you saying? Well, it's just that there's been TV series. So there's Hannibal, obviously. And then there's actually an upcoming TV series called Clarice. Yeah. That's coming. Oh, I know. So, which is, there which, is, is no... which is not allowed to mention Hannibal because of rights. Oh. <laughs> is it, is I... it coming on which station? It's a CBS show. I, I That's actually the show that I, the station I had in my head. It's weird. All right. Well. Yeah, I mean, Get on them. we won't specifically talk about those for commentaries, but what, I mean, they will come up in discussion, I'm sure, as far as things go with Hannibal. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is that is our our plan for the next series of commentary tracks. So stay tuned and get ready. Um, wait. Speaking of which, that those commentary tracks, along with the current ones, along with all these episodes, can be found on iTunes, where you can also give us a review and rating. You can search for our show out now, Theron and Abe. Give us a rating and review. That'd be great. Thank you so much in advance. Give us all the five stars. All right, so that's enough of show notes here. Let's get to one of my favorite segments, which I believe was voted in Podcast Magazine best new segment on a podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I got that published. I got that, I got that, uh, that edition. What are these called? Yeah, yeah, it was in Podcast Magazine. Not to be confused that, with Podcast that, Weekly or Podcast Quarterly. Yeah. Quarterly, yeah. This is, this is a segment we call What We Would Have Talked About This Week, where things to be much merrier and not in the terrible place that landed us into Ebenezer Scrooge's Cabinet of Terrors. Um, Thanks a lot, this is, this is where we go over one of the films that would have come out this week originally, where things not to have changed in this post-Bloodshot era. Uh, so, we got there is a movie that would have come out this week that uh, I'm going to bring up right now. It is called The Last Duel. I'm going to explain it to you guys, and you can tell me what you what you'd be if you'd be anticipating this film. It is okay. a film directed by Ridley Scott, Ooh. starring and written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, as, what? as well as starring Adam Driver and Jodie Comer from the Killing Eve series. Um, it it is about a duel between two 14th century friends, uh, Matt Damon's character and Adam Driver's character, uh, the duel taking place because one of them accuses the other of raping his wife. Well, things got dark very quickly. So there. yeah, this is a, this is a medieval, <laughs> medieval like revenge movie, I guess, from Ridley Scott. I mean, you you had me at Ridley Scott. Uh huh. Yeah, you you had me more I mean, so at Adam Driver. Adam yeah. Driver. Yeah, and I was Matt like, oh, Damon. Adam Driver is gonna really elevate. Matt this. Damon and Ben Affleck writing, all with uh, Nicole Holof Center, by the way. She's the other co-writer on this film of all people, which is like such yeah. a. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just very. Then uh, they couldn't get Gus Van Sant because he's counting his money. Exactly, yeah. But it's based on a true story. I So I, I, I'm i already hearing that you guys are in favor of something like this. So yeah, you're saying that yeah, you'd be anticipating a film like this coming out? 
I'd be interested to see it. I, uh, yeah, I'm open to it. I mean, I agree. I, I, we're all, I think we're all Ridley Scott fans here, and I... Who's that guy? Him doing his uh, historical his historical drama stuff tends to work out pretty well, I would say. I, I'm a, I'm a oh, Ridley Scoot! <laughs> but this is not being released now until October of next year, right? Yes, yeah, it was going to be... I'm always amazed like how these things were supposed to come out, and then they like push them so far into the future, but... I mean, I can wait, I guess. I mean, what else do you do? <laughs> I mean, like, it's a certain release. I'm just, I mean, there's, I'm sure there'll be other things to occupy my time, so... Yeah, know, that, yeah. And, I, I, I mean, can wait. wait to know it's also the state where it's not like this movie had any advertisement going in, so it's not like they've, like, lost... I don't know what the poster looks like. It's not, they, they, they haven't lost <laughs> any... Going wild. They haven't so, lost any cost so, on this film, because so, it was So, still... full disclosure, mm-hmm. this is the first I'm hearing about it. <laughs> but, but, I mean, no, I... I, I Everything that I've heard sounds good. Yeah, you know, you know how I'm envisioning the poster. You know, the talented Mr. Ripley, where it's half Matt Damon's face. Uh-huh. Um, so it's that, but then Adam Driver is wearing like knight's armor, and he's looking over his right shoulder, and it's in like in shadow, and uh, that's how I'm thinking the poster looks. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for it to be out, and I'd be like, I called it. <laughs> well. I mean, I, I'm trying to think it'd probably be less creative. It'll be like, because Ben Affleck plays King Charles the Oh, sixth. Ben Affleck's in the movie, too. So, he, so he'll be, like, in the middle, and you'll have Damon and Driver on both sides. And yeah, he's, like he's got a crown on, and he's looking like, you know, he's got his hands in his in his face. Uh-huh. Um, and he's, you know, he's <laughs> thinking about his friends. Yeah, and they're French, so they'll have hilarious bowl cuts. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, 14th century France, so. When you mentioned the bowl cuts, I immediately think to, like, a seventh grade parting of air, and I'm just like, yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, yeah, well, this is another. Best of luck to this movie. It, it is another medieval Ridley Scott film. It's coming out October fifteenth, twenty twenty one. Uh, we will see. <laughs> Sorry, last question. Did he direct Kingdom of Heaven? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Abe. Yes. Yes, he did. I- and yeah, I, 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 do, I said, do you have okay. a reaction to that? Or? Yeah, I don't know why I got cut out, but I said, okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right right when you said yes, I said, okay. I, I mean, as one who thinks King of Heaven, particularly the director's cut, is among Ridley Scott's best films, uh, I, that makes well, me all I, more excited. I, I'm looking at his filmography. It's right between Matchstick Men, great film, mm-hmm. and uh, A Good Year. A Good Year, not a great film. <laughs> <laughs> Another movie by Ridley Scott. And who did about the, wine? Who did the Russell Crowe or the Robin Hood? Was it Russell Crowe or was it Clive Owen? It's well, you're. I think if you're saying Clive Owen, I think you're thinking King Arthur, which was Anton Fuqua ah, naturally. Okay. Um, yes. And then Rob, Robin Hood was Ridley Scott with Russell Crowe. Okay, got a, it. Okay. A movie that really started out sounding more interesting when Russell Crowe was going to play the Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood. And then, it slowly okay. morphed, and then it slowly morphed into him just being Robin Hood in a very bland Robin Hood movie. Mm, got it. Well, Wait, so gotcha. the, the, the last movie that Ridley Scott directed was All the, All money, the money in the World? Yeah, it's been a minute. Okay, so it's been, uh, it's been a little while. Yeah. Okay. By the time this fin- movie yeah. finally comes out. So. We, we've, we've canceled way more character actors since then, so it's been, it's been a minute <laughs> since that yeah, movie. And directors. Yeah, and directors and producers. Uh, I don't know their names anymore. <laughs> exactly that's how it works but yeah no it's been a minute since we've had a Ridley Scott movie so I mean always looking forward to more 
Uh, yeah, same here. As, as he is. As he's, what is he? He's like 82? 83. He's, uh, he's, he's knocking him out. Uh, the last duel does open next October. Uh, so, yeah, we got plenty, to, plenty of time to look forward to that. Um, but now, we're going to get to our main review for Wonder Woman 1984. This world is not yet ready for all that you will do. Your time will come, Diana. And everything will be different. Citizens of the world! I'm here to change your life. Anything you dream of, you can have it. Look like you saw a ghost. Diana, look at you. It's like not one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. You've always had everything. While people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. Get used to it. I've never been one for rules. The answer is always more. They will never find us. I forgot to tell you. What? Radar. Will they Will they shoot at us? Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. This big superhero sequel takes a time jump from the 1910s to the 1980s, with Diana now working in Washington, D.C. She and a new friend, Barbara, Kristen Wiig, get their hands on a magical stone that can grant wishes. This allows Diana to bring Steve Trevor back from the dead and Barbara to develop more strength and confidence in herself. But at what cost? At the same time... A wannabe oil tycoon, Maxwell Lord, played by Pedro Pascal, wants the stone for himself in order to have anything he desires and become all-powerful. Mark, director Patty Jenkins is back to deliver a full-on version of how she views Wonder Woman. Did she succeed? I think that she delivered half of a great movie. So for the first part of the film, it opens with this spectacular uh, set piece where... uh, Wonder Woman as a little girl is competing at the Amazon games and she's there are competitors twice her size and age, but she sort of, it's this spectacular set piece and it is amazing. So for the very beginning, I was captivated by the spectacle that I was promised, but by the end uh, it ends on this, horrible low involving a tv broadcast with the main villain sort of appealing to the world and like asking them for their wishes and that was not something i enjoyed so it it's sort of like it started out with the promise of something really great and then it sort of loses its way to the very end first and foremost i have to say gal gadot got Gal Gadot is an absolute delight as Wonder Woman. And I think she sort of shepherds us through a film 
along with Chris Pine, who does return, uh, and the two of them, I think their chemistry makes this film enjoyable. So I really did enjoy the film for a, a good part of it. Um, however, uh, I do think that with the introduction of sort of this jewel that has these powers, the narrative kind of falls apart. And we can talk about that a little bit more. But I think that is the moment at which this film sort of loses its way and it becomes something that is very hard to understand. It is all explained. So, if I mean, as you continue with the film, you do understand why things are happening. But for a good part of the film, I was very confused as to why these negative things are happening and why the main antagonist was able to make these like declarations and then have them come to fruition. So overall, I would say I give it a marginal thumbs up, but it was a very kind of confusing film. And the first part of it was really great, but it ends on a, a note where I, I didn't really enjoy it. And so overall, it's a marginal thumbs up, but, you know, with reservations. I'll say right now, I meant to note this earlier, that um, I, we're kind of assuming that this is a movie that was on HBO Max, released on Christmas Day, that's highly anticipated. So pretty much anyone that's listening to a show like this probably has seen it or is not concerned with how far we go into spoilers here. That's not to say that we're going to you know, necessarily dig straight into spoilers, but I will say we're not really... Well, we're like, not going to go detail we're not, by detail. We're not, yeah, we're not, but we're also not going to just like stop ourselves from saying things as far as how the film goes. So just keep that Space in mind. crystals, you know, so alligators. If you, if, if you are planning to like watch the film, just be aware that we're going to get into you know, the film as a whole as opposed to holding back on certain thoughts on things. But with that sure. said, Abe, where are you with uh, Wonder Woman 1984? You know, 1984 is uh, a time before... Uh, my time, so I don't remember much of it. So is that is that the answer to your question? Yes, it is. Okay, moving on. Hey, what did you think <laughs> of the film Wonder Woman 1984? Oh, glad I you, you. You're basically just telling me that I'm old because <laughs> I remember 1984 <laughs> very well. <laughs> Plus, we're not we're not young studs anymore. Um, but 1984 is what? That's the year that Ghostbusters came out, isn't it? That that is true. Okay, oh. so that was a very that was a, a great a, ambitious year then. I remember that year very well. Yeah, it's it's the it's the three the three big ones: Ghostbusters, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, and Purple Rain. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good like. Uh, I I didn't I didn't know that at the time, but now subsequently, yes, I I fully you know confirm what you're saying. <laughs> hey, with this movie. Uh, with, with 1984, with Wonder Woman what I I think that it actually has a lot going for it in terms of the story that it's trying to tell and also the way that it's being told. Um, you know, Patty Jenkins is back uh, to write and direct this. I think I guess maybe well story and I guess it was um, her and Jeff Johns, who's a famous you know he's been involved in the comics for he's, years. He's been involved in like the DC universe, the DCEU, and also I guess Dave Gallaham. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, it's uh, it's also just aggressively okay. And what I mean by that is that it's it's not a knock. Like I've I've been seeing some hate on Twitter, and and not that I'm not definitely I'm not gonna defend this movie, like um you know the way that it plays out, and whatever else. But 
I think I got what Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns was going for with this movie. And what I mean by that is it's a 1984 film. Let's try and give it some 1984 Superman, Superman two type things. Yes. Um, and let's give it that kind of that juice. And what I think that it doesn't do well and doesn't execute on is letting you feel like you're actually in the world of 1984. Um, you know, we've seen stranger things and we, we've talked about how that, that really plays up your age is nostalgia. And it's different in that it lets you explore this 80s nostalgia through like eight or 10 episodes per season. But we've also seen movies like Thor Ragnarok where it's more fun and it's you could definitely feel what the director is trying to exhibit and put on display for you. And it comes across that way. So what I what I think this movie doesn't do well is that it doesn't execute on these ideas that it's trying to present with Wonder Woman being in 1984, having passed through, uh, what is it, like um, 40 some odd years? Wait, I can't even do math. That's like 70 it's like some 70 odd years. years, yeah. <laughs> 70 some odd years. And the reason why I, I think that it doesn't really capitalize on this is because it's trying to deal with a lot of things at once. Mark sort of mentioned that there's Pedro Pascal, you know, there's also um, Chris, Kristen Wiig, um, you also have, like, to some degree, a lot of these characters have, like, a lot of their own arcs as well. Um, and I just think that they, they just have to handle these things in such a way that allows you to really get a sense of the gravity of the situation. Uh, but it just doesn't really fully do it. So um, I do want to get more into the the details as we go forward here. But overall, I think it's actually just aggressively okay. Um, there are some things that could have been done better. I don't knock the writing. I wasn't cringing at it like some folks were. Um, and it just, it is what it is. And it's not, it's not like the best movie of the year, but it's not one that I think that is going to, um, you know, make you fall on your seat and say, I, I wish I never turned this movie on. I, um, I like this movie. I, I, I see, I see its clear flaws. It's very much bloated. Um, it's two and a half hours, and it, I mean, you, you're you're saying if you said it has too many things, I think it has too little things to justify the runtime. Like that's my biggest issue with it. I think it has three main characters, and it deals with them the way it needs to, but just gives them way too much kind of filler in there. Sure. At the same time, I I keep wondering like, why did we have so much stuff here? Like, there's it's just it it takes its time to do things. And I can respect that to a point, but. It, it it feel it it doesn't feel balanced as far as how it wants to explore the different things it has going for it, and instead stretches out other things that I'm just not as into. That said, I think part of the reason I like this film is because the the biggest curiosity I have was what is you know after you make you know the first Wonder Woman that's a huge success, that means Jenkins has basically you know the rights to do whatever she wants to do, which is not unfamiliar with any superhero sequel where the first one's a huge hit. Directors generally get like a you know a longer leash to do what they want. Look at Batman Returns. Look at The Dark Knight. Look at Hellboy Two. Like they you know these those feel like extensions of what the director's personality is. And so that was like so what's that mean for Patty Jenkins, a filmmaker who's not you know as prolific by comparison or as distinctive by comparison? So watching this is like okay she doubles down on the Donner thing. I think that's something we all liked about the first Wonder Woman. In the in addition to it being you know, that character and that time frame and the things it was doing well, it had this nice, like, Richard Donard Superman spirit to it. And I think she's really going for that here as well, 
but also incorporating the other Superman films of that time, which aren't that good, Superman 3 and Superman 4. And as a result, it does feel like a film that, you know, it takes for granted how much we're really supposed to enjoy all of these aspects by putting into one movie, as far as having this kind of, this 1984 setting that I think you said properly, Abe, it doesn't quite put you in there, but it's still trying to give you this, like, remember when type of mm-hmm. thing. And, just, I, I, I just want to add one little thing. Uh-huh. I just, Gal Gadot radiates such decency in this film, and she recalls Christopher Reeve in, you know, the original Superman and Superman 2, and I think that quality is something that I really appreciated. That's all I want to say. Is I don't just... I don't disagree that the character is defined well enough where much yes. like other key superhero characters this is going to be like the the person that like is identified as Wonder Woman is Gal Gadot at this point. In the same right. way that Reeve is generally Reeve is generally the person that you're going to always think of Superman. Uh, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, like ones like that that are just they are there. That, that's the answer. yeah. They, they become the icon. Now I think part of my issue and, though, and that's I, Im- that's I, important though. It is. It's not not important, yeah. but part of my issue is despite being two and a half hours, there's not a lot of action. Now I'm not saying that's a problem. I actually admire the fact that there's not too much action in this. At the same right. time, though, by taking away some of that physicality, you're relying heavily on Gadot and Pine and Gadot and Gwig and others. And I, she's she's not the strongest when it comes to that stuff compared to using her in a, in a, in a more physical sense. And I think that shows in how you're delivering on the writing of this film, because I do think there's a lot Jenkins is trying to tackle in the screenplay, yet it doesn't always feel like I'm... I'm hitting those messages out of the park. I think there's really strong messages in here, and I actually disagree with Mark. I think the ending is actually really good. I really like the final thing, because it's not just a giant punch fest for 20 minutes. Instead, it tries to do something different uh, compared to the first one, where I I feel like the first one suffered in its third act. I feel like this one excels, even despite the less-than-great CGI to make a cheetah person come to life. And we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but like overall, I feel like this is a better movie from a here's what my idea is standpoint as opposed to a cinematic presentation standpoint and i think it could have it could have benefited from some severe cutting down to tighten things up and get more focused on what it wanted right. to accomplish so i i will say that my favorite part of this film is the chemistry between you know, gal gadot as you know diana prince slash wonder woman and chris pine as steve steve trevor and even though the way that they introduce Steve Trevor back into the narrative is ridiculous and and confusing. I still appreciated the fact that he was there because their chemistry is enjoyable. And those moments, despite the fact that, as you said, there isn't a lot of action set pieces, that is is enjoyable. And I think, you know, his sort of naive wonder at the 80s, you know, fanny packs and pop tarts and and all the parachute other pants yeah parachute pants and all that that's that's fun so i was happy to see him back because i enjoyed it's all even though the way they introduced him made no sense i mean i i don't agree that it makes no sense i feel like it's needlessly complicated i was never confused yes, about what was taking I, I, place but it feels like if you can make a wall spring out of nowhere you can't just make a guy spring out of nowhere you have to have this I mean, Mark, did you it's see Possessor? Like, yeah, Mark, did you it, see Possessor? Like, I forget. 
Yes. Uh, you, so yeah, you I did. Have, you did see this, Mark. Mark, you did see. You hated Possessor. Regardless, right. I got this big Possessor vibe from it. It's like, why are we doing this now? <laughs> like, right. And I also got. Yeah. There's, there's weird implications big. from the choice that they make from that. Exactly. So it's yeah. Like, and so right. And it's the same thing with like with Big. And it's like, you know, this kid is like actually 12, and he's acting like an adult. And yeah, so there's implications of that. At least with Big, it's one guy. Like it's, it's not, one guy. Yeah. It's not like this Tom one, Hanks took over also, somebody's body. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was equally confused by this one as well, you know, in terms of the way that they they it feels clunky, but I didn't I ultimately bought it. And, you know, to mark your point, Gal and Chris are probably the, the two best thing. Pedro Pascal is having a blast in this movie. Oh, I think he's um, great in this movie. But yeah, Gal and Chris, like they, they their chemistry is, is really off uh, it, on the screen it is is really um, you can feel it. See, um, there's there's the thing with that though. That feels like it feeds right into the theme of the movie, with which is be careful what you wish for. It's like, yeah, they're good together. That's a highlight of the first film. At the same time, by giving them a lot to do, you're taking away from more stuff you can do elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna get into with like these characters because you you brought it up, Aaron. You, you I think that you were correct in that it's clunky with these characters. Like there's too much of them, but at the same time, there's not enough of them. Uh Um, What's to say about that is like, Mark, you're totally right. When Chris is going on his like, wow, 1904 is awesome. I wish that there was a little bit more of that, like man at a time kind of situation. However, you get to Kristen Wiig and you get to Pedro Pascal and you're just like, beyond me seeing Kristen Wiig drop a suitcase and then some people not paying attention to her, why does she get this giant arc? And then Pedro Pascal is just like, I actually think that Pedro Pascal has uh, some interesting things to do. And he's also like the the catalyst for the rest of the movie. But I also don't really understand what this. When I when I take it apart and I'm, and I'm just looking at all these pieces, it's like, you know, these, these characters would have worked as single standalone villains. And we've seen it before with Christian Wayne's character. You have Buddy as Syndrome, and that's a great movie, The Incredibles, right? Um, and then you have Pedro Pascal's character. It's like, yeah, I could have seen a Lex Luthor-type character as well. Um, but there's just – because you, you have to, like, go through three different storylines, there's just not a okay. lot that you can really fill in. Like, Kristen Wiig, I was just like – you know, I, I honestly think I think myself, there is if you take away the Chris so, Pine stuff, which is distracting. <laughs> I, I hear you, too, because my, my – my fault with Chris Pine is that like, I don't know why this guy is not just like WTF what's going on, you know, like, like a, 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 um, a Steve Rogers situation. It's like, this is not my time. This is like, well, Steve, I mean, how they, does they, all this Steve work? Rogers got a, I mean, he has questions, but it's not like he was willfully out of place. Like he, he got what was going well, on. He understood it and he was accepting of it, but you know, it was like, that's why I think that this movie that I got like the whimsy that I was trying to go for. Cause that's not what they wrote for, Steve Trevor, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, hey, you're you're just like a fun guy, and and not a fun guy, but you're you're here, but you're also here to serve as like a plot device. I have to say, so I I I loved Steve Trevor in the film at, overall, and I liked her his chemistry with Wonder Woman. But the biggest problem I had with this film is when they introduced this jewel, and it was supposed to be this wish fulfillment thing. And then it obviously has powers that we aren't aware of at the moment it's introduced. And then an hour later, they explain, oh, no, this has negative effects as well. 
And that is the moment where I was like, okay, I wish I knew that an hour before because we've been watching a narrative where it's not an Pedro hour Pat- later. It's it's. it's <laughs> I feel like it's an hour later. It's not an hour later, but even then, I mean. Pedro I mean, that's Pascal how... has been doing things like, okay, well, I'm going to take your, you know, security, and I'm going to take this, and there's things that he's doing Hilarious, that I'm like, why is he able to do this? So I was confused through a big part of this film, and then later on, okay, it's like, oh, okay, I understand now. That's why he was able to do that, but it it it. The, a big part of this film does not make sense, and it's a very frustrating experience because it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, you don't understand why things are happening. But I get I it. Like I, by I the end of the film, I was confused. Like, okay. But I mean, you're 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 complaining like I was. I've the movie didn't answer my question until later. I mean, Mark, I mean, you watch the movie, Mark. That's how you figure out what's going on. Like I don't, I don't see the problem. Well, it's also- yeah, but, I mean, it's but there's one a of the big part where... of the film where you're kind of confused. So I mean, I, I, I can't say I was ever confused. In... I mean, I was thinking, okay, there's things happening, and I know that they will be resolved to something. Even then, by you know, just basic plot well, logic, so I'm thinking I'm you can't just you can't this. just create something yeah. like this and not so, have a no, not I have hear, a back. I'm not alone in this. The, the 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 confusion of Wonder Woman is almost an accepted thing, and so if if you want to argue that it's you know understandable, that's the minority opinion. It, it I'm is trying to understand what's confusing. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to understand. I, I didn't understand why why Pedro Pascal was able to like dictate these things. Uh, he goes to. I mean, I, we're not going to get. I I don't know how deep we. No, hit it. But he goes to Cairo and he he's able to dictate. Well, I'm going to take your security force, and all of a sudden they follow him. Why? Why yeah. is that happening? I mean, and we like don't understand that thing, until right? an hour later when they go and visit this gentleman that says, oh, no, the the uh, jewel has this ability to – it's a monkey's paw, essentially. Yeah, and, but it, it's a weird thing for – like, so I, I understood it, but I hear what you're saying, Mark, in terms of, like, they, they, they're doing a lot of showing, no, not telling, and because they do a lot of that, like, it just – it comes out much later. It's actually the entire movie, like the entirety of the film. I mean, I'm not even get. We haven't even gotten to the ultimate, like you know, uh, TV broadcast, which I thought. Yeah, which which is actually an interesting thing that we should. One of the worst displays I've ever seen in a superhero film. I disagree. But the mechanism by which this jewel works is horribly explained, and it is a very negative aspect of this film and it, I, it and yeah. i think you're seeing this aspect uh discussed on twitter because it is not well explained and i'm really not big on the continued reliance on this twitter thing yeah i don't care let me, about let me twitter. <laughs> i mean let, let me let me just interject super quickly because it's like my my six-year-old niece watched this for like 10 minutes about that portion she understood it and i was surprised uh, she's like yeah he's taking He's granting wishes and he's also like losing things as he, and he, he gives it. So that's why I'm like, it's not like it's horribly explained. It's just it's a more give of and like, take. It just seems pretty obvious. Yeah, it's a give me. and I'm take. Not, I'm not trying to say it's but... impossible to to not be confused by this. I'm just like, I feel like the movie visually communicates this pretty well before you're before it gives you like concrete uh, exposition to like and make that sure like anyone is, in the back is... didn't hear it properly. Sure. Well, and, and... that's it's not explained until like an hour later. So I mean, it's not explained whether... to you like with words, I suppose. But I mean, I don't think the film is like thrown off balance by things happening. It seems pretty clear. I mean, 
you think one way and I think the other. We're not gonna get past this, I guess. But I'm just, I just, I can't say that I felt. And I'm just like sitting here eating popcorn. But for the most part, I think that it is clunky in some degree because I don't know why a situation like, um, like, you know, when he when Pedro Pascal is is granting all these things, I I don't know why it just didn't. The thing that I didn't like about it, not that I didn't understand it, was just why would the monkey's paw allow itself to become the person? But whatever. Well, so well, that it, was it obvious. Grants wishes. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. And there is a moment where he, where Pedro Pascal wishes to be the jewel. So that makes sense. So it uh, makes sense that he is able to grant the wishes. But why the wishes come with this negative aspect is not explained until later. And why Pedro Pascal has the ability to dictate that I've granted your wish, but now I'm going to take this negative from you. That is not explained until much, much later. So it, it, it is a it, it's a confusing aspect of the film. I, I, I didn't get it well, until also, I totally they meet a guy but, later and then there's no way for you to like get a wish clean out and not have I mean, we've no, that's, all that's classic wish logic. Right? Yeah. And so, like, you know, that's why I was like, there's there's definitely strings attached to this. Because if there isn't, then there's a movie. Because no then he's no conflict. Because right. everyone gets what they want. <laughs> right, and then it's like, and then you know, even even Homer whispered a turkey sandwich, and the turkey was dry. So well, I mean, uh, the movie does not even the movie does not even <laughs> abide by its own logic because it says you can only get one wish, but Kristen Wiig gets two wishes. That's not no, that's not entirely true. She gets a wish early on when she wishes by herself. Later on, she talks to Pedro Pascal. That's a different, separate conversation where he's doing something. Like, it, right, I agree that it's clunky, having, but it's not. I, but get, it's not... I get that the movie is trying to go backwards in order to explain why things are happening. But but that's it, not breaking his own logic. That's maybe overcomplicating the it. That the that they decide well. You can only get one wish. Oh, except in this case where you know, in one case it's the jewel, and another case it's a human. I hear what you're saying. I don't think that's breaking its logic. That's overcomplicating it, and it could be handled better. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're all also saying something, which is the script is clunky. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it super. has issues. With it's that, a, in that I mean, regard. it's a bad script. I mean, and to be honest, I think I don't the think it's a bad was, script. I think it's a ba- I think it's so. I don't think halfway, it's cinematically delivered that well. I think I, halfway I, through. I mean, to be honest, I really enjoyed this film halfway through. So mm-hmm. I can't give it a negative review because it was so good. I mean, there's an opening set piece where Wonder Woman is a little girl and she competes at the Amazon Games. I was like, oh, my God, this might be the best film of the year. But then as the film develops, it goes to such a low point that I was like, oh, my God, I don't know how we lost our way so badly. But that's where we are. So I'm kind of like I ultimately well, that, that's, yeah and again that's where i land where it's like you know it, it's trying to do some things but it's just not executing that well on them which is why i i gave it what i gave it it's aggressively okay um but with all that said here's what i did like about the the rest of the idea of the movie which is what patty jenkins sort of did with the first one as well which is hey man has a lot of selfishness and hate and it destroys people and it destroys things and because of that, we're just unworthy to be godlike, right? It just doesn't execute fully on this, but it's cool to see that we're here again 
like I what I disliked about Wonder Woman is that the the manifestation of hate or whatever was was David uh Thulis. Aries, yeah. And I was like, oh, I thought that it would have been cooler if you had just been like, it's widespread and it's because man is terrible um, or humans are terrible. And this one sort of gets into that as well. Uh, but well, it, it just it doubles down on that. It make it makes that a, a huge component of it as far as people are greedy and want to take shortcuts yes, to get what exactly. they want. And it's and the film is all about dispelling that saying you can't just do these things. You can't just get stuff. It, right. it, it's it's not it's not about not having any sense of joy in doing what you're doing. But at the same time, work does come with you know, rewards come with work. You need you need right. to put the effort. Truth in. is the only answer or is the only thing that's free. You know what I mean? And I, I appreciated that idea of it. It's just when you take a look at all the chaos that ensues when all these wishes are being granted, it's like, I don't know what's happening here. Like, I mean, it, so you're talking about the wishes being granted. I mean, how can we go get into that please? final scene? Yeah, please. So that TV broadcast. So essentially he has to touch people in order to grant their wishes. But then he discovers there's this TV broadcast, and he I had to watch it twice to figure out why this would happen. And it turns out that the particles of the TV broadcast touch people. You needed and, to watch that twice? I mean, he like says it very slowly. Says you it mean the all, present, the present, like three times it. in a row. <laughs> so <laughs> it is a ridiculous idea that TV particles could touch people, and then that would uh, grant their wish. Because yeah. all through the I mean, film, Mark, he's it's touching a, it's a, people Mark, physically. it's a movie with a woman that uses a magic rope to run around places, and there's well, a cheetah also, person. No, I mean, also, it's, it's no, that's, a, that's, that's a jump. That's a jump that I wasn't willing to accept. And no, I, I think it, because it grants wishes. It, like what? It, <laughs> okay. No, I mean, here, here, so let, you accept that, but I mean, the majority of people have not. I, I mean, don't it care is, about other people, Mark. I'm talking to you. Stop telling me about Twitter. I don't care and, about Twitter. And I and I don't accept <laughs> it. I, I think that was a ridiculous idea that the TV particles being broadcast would touch people and grant their wishes. What, so what, it that, is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Idea. And yeah, it's a ridiculous idea in concept. However, the script actually goes out of its way to tell you that it's also ridiculous um, because the president says, and, and, metaphorically it, it, speaking, it gets, yes. It gets, it gets worse. No, it gets worse. Then the part where Wonder Woman says, no, 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 please renounce your wish. And Pedro Pascal says, why would I renounce my wish? I have no desire to do that. And she says, oh, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them meaning the sum total of the world. And then we get a little montage of every, you know, different people all throughout the world saying, I renounce my wish. I renounce my wish. And at that moment, oh, I was Mark, like, wait, this, wait my is, at the end of this, episode. this is as bad as any, as anything I've ever witnessed in a film. It is awful. And so I was like, okay, this is terrible. And I don't know how we got to this point from something that was so good at the beginning, but it was, it was just like, it was ridiculous. It made are, absolutely are you, no sense. Yeah. Are you sure that it's marginally okay? Because it sounds like you didn't like the movie. <laughs> I didn't like that. <laughs> but I, but I was, I spoke that at such you a high. To, I mean, I, I tell you that the the Amazon, you yeah. know, Olympic yeah, thing. Yeah, like the prologue. At... I get that. I, as far as the ending, like I, I really, I, I liked what they did there. I like that she used her lasso of truth. Uh, to once again emit this power across the world it just it seems like it's just full donner at that point it's all optimism as far as how am i gonna how am i gonna spin the world backwards 
that's this movie's it, answer. Exactly. To that. That's that's yes. what she's doing. It's this. It is. Is it a out there yeah. action? I guess, but I mean, it just feels like the maximalized version right. of the rest so, of this movie, which is that, fully, which is already fully in fantasy world as far as everything else taking place. It didn't feel I, out I of, say, it didn't feel out of step with anything else I was watching as, already. As much as I love the Richard Donner, you know, Superman one and two, that moment where Superman flies around the world and reverses it, that's not my favorite moment. I, I, I feel like that is like a cheat. So even despite the fact that I love those films, that's not my favorite moment. So here, yeah, if you if you equate that moment with this, yeah, it's not something I I I, I don't appreciate that. But essentially what's happening is something that is inconceivable in a real world, right? And so because of that, that's why I was like, I get it. I get it. And do I do I think that it makes sense? Not really. But at the same time, I'm just like, for the movie, yes, it's I totally think it okay. I it makes sense yeah, so, the rules established by the film. Right, I, I which get is like, it, hey, let me lasso this guy t- and let me tell them the truth. Because, as you mentioned earlier, Mark, the particle beams will hit everybody. And <laughs> that's how everyone gets their truth serum, so to speak. However, the thing that, that Aaron, Aaron so, you, you correctly pointed this out, which is like it's more positive than it is um, cynical. And Part of me is just like, well, what are the people that didn't want to renounce their wishes? Like that woman who wished for a million dollars. But, you know, the movie is is a hint of optimism. In, in it's a not nature. a hint. It's full optimism. There's no cynicism sure. in this film whatsoever. There, there, I mean, you, you, you mentioned this early on. You said you watched this with your, what, six-year-old niece? Niece. For a little bit. And that she got, like, what I think this movie does well is provide this positive character that little girls and young women will want to watch it's and it's it's so, it, it, feel, yeah. it, feel, it feels equivalent to something like the prequels when it comes to like young boys where there's so much stuff on screen that they'll like at the same time they'll feel bogged down by the politics talk i feel like this movie has that same issue where it's like there's so much stuff there to respond to yet it's still you know it's bloated at two and a half hours like as other stuff they'll be like all right these are scenes also but there's other stuff here that's quite enjoyable as far as just watching characters interact with each other or have an occasional act. We haven't talked much about the action because there's not much in it, but I do like the big car chase that happens. The prologue's really fun. That oh, White House that. fight is neat. And at the at the end of all this, no one dies in this movie, which is something that really surprised me. This is a movie that has no deaths whatsoever. And every action that Wonder Woman takes is generally about saving people. Everything she does is generally about moving people out of the way, getting something done properly, lassoing people to safety. Like, every action taken is to minimize the amount of damage, which is something you just don't see in superhero movies at all. Yeah, I think Wonder Woman as a character is wonderful. And I mentioned this earlier. I think Gal Gadot radiates decency she's you know just she's a force of good in a way that i haven't seen and possibly since you know christopher reeve and the original superman films so that all of that i loved and i i think you know and again her chemistry with um steve trevor is good so all of that i liked it's just that the way the story develops and what happens in the end is not something that I can really understandable. You know, un, and you know, just, you know, co-sign. it just has to get, it just has to get to its end, which is essentially what happens. You know, there, there's other, I mean, I mean, I'm not a screenwriter, but I mean, there are things that I could have written this film in a way that I think it would have ended in a way that was more, at least to my liking, uh, understandable or, you know, you know, I don't know, it would have ended in a way that I, I would, 
you know, enjoyed. This was not something I, it really ended badly. I mean, that, that TV broadcast was, it was bad. Like if, once he was and with the newspapers flying around and he's and then they had the you know the visages of all the people of the world renouncing their wishes i was like oh my gosh we've really lost our way in a way sure. that i i haven't seen in a, in a in a and it it's a big difference because the film starts out so good i didn't i actually didn't think the film started out that great but i hear what you're saying like as as far as like it goes i can definitely see your point of view i i think we didn't even talk we we talked a little bit about chris and wig but i think the relationship between and i didn't think if we didn't talk about two villains but chris and wig should not be been made a villain i i think pedro pascal was enough and uh, Kristen Wiig could have been sort of a you know whatever another character, but she didn't have to be a full-fledged villain at the end, you know, like a member of the TV of like the uh, movie version of Cats. I mean, it, it, she was awful, and that CGI. I, I think uh, her sort of you know feeling like I'm you know not the. She was kind of like a. Um, I don't know. She 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 wanted she she admired. It's, Wonder... it's the arc of Catwoman in Batman Returns. It's very she, simple. She, yeah. I mean, she, I, and she I don't. Admired, I, she, I, I, don't I don't have any. I don't have any issue with this. It's a villain in a superhero I don't have any movie. Issue it's with Cheetah. Either. It's I the thought, villain. I thought, like, I, and I thought she. I thought her relationship with uh, Wonder Woman was good. I liked that she admired her and for what she, you know, her confidence and I liked all that. And I, I think for a big part of the film, I was really, you know, in tune with their relationship. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I have I, nothing against the Barbara Minerva character. What I do have an issue with is like I just don't think Kristen Wiig is is one of these actresses actors that. I, I envision in on the big screen. Like she's great in comedies. I just don't think that I don't like seeing her in movies. Like aside from like well, that's independent movies. Coming. <laughs> okay. No, I mean it's just more of like I don't I don't see what the appeal is. You know. So, I, mean? so is, I I I will say I really liked her. I liked I her. She was very good at this. I thought she was really good. I thought like, I liked her awkwardness, and I thought I, I I've heard people say she seems like her Saturday Night Live character. That's fine. I think she was an awkward person, and I thought there was a nice balance between comedy and seriousness in that. And then I I actually was on board with her all the way until the very end when she was on the plane, and Pedro Pascal says do you want another wish? And she says, I want to be the apex villain. And then a little later, she becomes this, you know, CGI thing that I was like, what is this? That I, I was not on board, but yeah, I'm not, not going to say the CGI was like top notch. And that seems to be a problem with all these DC movies. It seems between weird space trolls and what have you in these movies. But I mean, at the same it's time, true. it's like when you, when I see a better movie involving a, half cheetah person come to life then i'll like have more to complain about for the time being it's like yeah it's a cheetah person okay whatever yeah and it's not in it that long i think we're all on board that like whether the cgi is like top notch or not that great it's not really about that it's it's really about the script and the story so if the story is good i'm okay with the cgi being not that great and the cgi isn't that great but that's not the reason why i had a problem with the cheetah character sure i mean there's a scene where they're in the white house and i was like chris pine is acting his ass off even though he's doing nothing but getting beat up versus christian wig and i'm just like you know i thought about this and then the martian i'm like i don't i don't know if i see it 
So she's good in, in the Skeleton Twins and she's good in the Anchorman movies, <laughs> but those are different in in like um, the Anchorman. She has like one scene. In she's one two. scene <laughs> right. in Anchorman too. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I I don't know. I'm just not feeling it with Kristen Wiig on in a movie like this. So. All right. Well, I yeah. thought it was a one of those weird, weird out, take, huh? I thought it was one of those outside the box casting choices that worked pretty well in this movie. Mm, but yes. uh, Pedro Pascal, I, I, I think as he's negative doing. Negative, I've been. I, I, I agree. I think, I think Kristen Wiig was good in this. I liked her. Pedro well, Pascal, my soapbox, Mark. <laughs> Pedro Pascal yeah. in this movie, I think, is pretty terrific. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I, he's I, like, he seems to be a polarizing, um, you know, take, and I didn't really i didn't you know i didn't care for his performance i really really liked what he was doing here i think especially given how for one thing i mean i once again i really like how the film shows you and doesn't tell you everything that's going on with his character you get a number of things that explain exactly who this guy is that doesn't need to be hammered out to you through dialogue which i really liked but just what i liked is he kept Every time he was doing something involving wishes or trying to get what he wants to, it feels like he's about to explode. Like, that's a great kind of acting I enjoy as far as someone that's trying to contain everything within, but just is built up inside of him with, like, anger or rage or just wanting yeah. to, like, get the best of him. And I thought that just kept shining throughout with this guy. Yeah, and and well, I wasn't being hyperbolic when I said that this feels like the year of Pascal because oh, yeah, we, saw him in that, we saw him in that space movie, Aaron. I forget what it is. Like, Prospect. Well, Prospect. I mean, and He's like, in the Mandalorian. So much range. And that's why it was fun to see him play like this slimeball character who's also like strong in appearance, but then like, you know, feeble on the inside. It was it was great to see that. And just the way that he could schmooze people. And then, you know, that he's just, you know, this uh, dirty, rotten scoundrel type of situation. And I, I liked it. I liked that Pedro Pascal just showed me more of him. And I was like, this is fantastic. I, I can watch more of Pedro, you know, uh, right. so I, I dug him. It took it one step further for me as far as the presentation of him as this guy with this hair in this time period. You're thinking, <laughs> well, they're trying to evoke a very certain person. Um, and it's not doing yeah. that. I, what I what I like is that it goes a very different direction with that because he's not, you know, aggressively evil and very obviously evil. He's not even necessarily evil. He's just corrupt. No, again, he's uh, just a slime ball. He's just he's a slime. Even... But he, like, there's intention there. Like, there's a way where he could have, like, used his wish thing to just be, you know evil but instead he's like yeah you'll get your thing i'm just gonna get something too like there that's a different kind of villain that i really enjoy and i and because of the way he is it's why it necessitates having a second villain that can physically do something with wonder woman which also complements wonder woman's arc where she has to deal with the fact that she's losing powers for most of this movie so it's like i i i hear i hear the i hear the like the issues as far as how to deliver this information sure. through through a screenplay, but as far as what the arcs of each of these three characters is, I really I really think it does a good job with like balancing that out. As far as like what I'm, if I'm gonna like write down what I learned about each of these characters, I think it does a good job in that manner. Does the film deliver on that all the way through? Not necessarily. It's it's clunky in handling that. We've talked about that plenty, but I think each of them works for the other one, which I admired quite a bit. Yeah. Um, on a technical aspect, I think that the score is good by Hans Zimmer, even though he uses um, Adagio at one point. So yeah, the sunshine theme pops in. There. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there's a Batman v Superman theme that pops in there also. Okay, yeah, but you know, I thought the score was good, and then um, yeah, we talked about it, but like the production design is is good. You know, like it just doesn't make me zap back to '84, but well, so we haven't we you talked about the score. 
we didn't talk about the amount of music, like songs that they mm-hmm. use in this. I mean, there's essentially one song, like, and it's yeah, sort Frankie of, goes to Hollywood at one point. Yeah, not not enough Eurythmics. I hear you. <laughs> I mean, it's basically. I mean, to be honest, I don't want to be that guy that says like I need to hear like 80s songs because I think that's a well, director's I find that choice. To be cheap sometimes too. Exactly. Right? No, and I, and I get that, and so it can be, especially if the selections are too on the nose and that kind of thing. But you know, it, it, they used uh, Blue Monday in the trailer, and then it doesn't appear in the film. So that's a little bit like, okay, that's a bait and switch. And then they 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 play this Frankie goes to Hollywood song at one moment when they're going to a party, and it's not even a very well known song. So it's, that's not really what the film is doing. They 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 decided they're not going to play 80s songs. Um, but, you know, for people who loved that about, let's say, uh, uh, what's the... Um... Any 80s thing that's been produced in the past no, five the, years? The, the 90, <laughs> what's the 90s one? Uh, the uh, Captain Marvel. Oh. That was all about 90s music. This okay. doesn't do that. So that, that might be a missed opportunity. I'm not saying that's the reason. that has nothing to do with the reason why I liked the film or disliked it, but that is something that I think they might have like used. In- I mean, being a, being a person that really hates all the needle drops that have been in like Suicide Squad especially and Captain Marvel and any number of these periods at films, any number of these period set films, <laughs> and just the fact that I don't care much about the 80s nostalgia. It's like, I'm fine. I'm completely fine with them not <clears throat> I, I beating actually, me over yeah. the head with 80s tracks. I was very, I actually, actually I was very happy. You guys pointed out that there's uh, only like one or two needle drops. I, I was quite happy that there was. Well, and I, to be honest, the, the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song is not even really a needle drop. And it's more of a background music as they're uh, arriving at this party. So it, it really isn't even, I don't, I didn't. It's spotlighted. I when, they're, when they're all arriving, you're, it's the only thing you're hearing on the sound track at that point but yeah. I, I like i get what you're saying as far as yes it's not i don't know it's not take on me like, I, I like it's whatever 90 percent of people couldn't even name that song like it's okay. not a, it wasn't a hit if anything i would credit patty jenkins for choosing something obscure as opposed to something obvious i'd rather not hear the obvious right 80s track and i i would agree with that there's a That's couple of, we, there's two things we haven't talked about that I think I, I really enjoy in this film because there's I would say there's not a scene like one, the no man's land scene in the first Wonder Woman in this sure. film. There's nothing that's quite that powerful. That said, there are two scenes I really liked in this movie that certainly try to evoke that. One is the invisible jet scene. I oh, right. I, I was not anticip like I figured okay, at some point this is a thing, so I'm sure we'll see this in some capacity. I didn't realize this would be how it would be done, and I really liked how it was done. Did you guys like the invisible jet sequence in this film? I did. I, I thought that was nice. And and that's the kind of scene that I think if you were in a theater with a lot of people, it would have gotten a big reaction and you would feel that. Of course, we're watching it at home and on a, on a TV screen. So y- you don't have that kind of shared community when you're watching it. But I liked it. I, I thought that I, 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 I get that, you know, I it's it, i i used to watch the uh, super friends the the cartoon so and the invisible jet was a big part of that mm-hmm. yeah i thought that it was well done i think that it was from a practicality standpoint which i mentioned earlier i don't know why you would choose like a fighter jet to fly to egypt from it's fast from this what it's fast blast it's fast 
Yeah, but you know, you got to think about refueling and all that other jazz, which I was just like, I don't know if this makes sense, but also it's invisible, so whatever. Um, but I, I enjoyed the the drone footage through the fireworks. Wouldn't yes, you have course. to refuel if he's bigger, Jack? Yeah, but it also holds more fuel. Okay. <laughs> the the drone footage through the fireworks was good. Now I understand what the what I'm seeing in the posters with them and the and the colorful uh, images. So it was nice to put that together. Um, and it, it was nice to see. So yeah, kudos on on the on the invisible jet. But she well, also wants how to fly. It it happened on the Fourth of July, so there were fireworks. Independence which is, Day, which is very confusing because it happens on the Fourth of July, and the end of this movie is Christmas. I'm like, what? What? What is this happening? Right. <laughs> what is so this I, taking place? I will, I will accept that. That that part I will accept. They, like, they completely cut out Halloween here. It just like I I was like so it's snowing now like the we the end it's, it's been some time they just didn't want to write three months later on the on the on the screen it's just really weird um the <laughs> other scene which you already mentioned is when she like something that humored me about the first one was so can at the very end she just like takes a big jump and they're like wait so she, can Wonder Woman fly I was like I wasn't clear on that as far I as was the powers go and then this movie answers that by saying sort of <laughs> so it's like I okay. think it's a definitive yes isn't it <laughs> not quite it's like uh well she can get really high and kind of move that she can float it seems to a degree but like she needs momentum first like it's okay. not like you know she's not superman it's she can't Got just it. like yeah. get up and fly she seems like she has to build well, it she's, up she's og superman leaping top buildings in a single bound basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got it. to the point where I'm i was confused about that that aspect as well it's to the point where i'm still thinking Okay, so yes, question mark is the answer to my question on if you can fly or not. <laughs> but, but with that said, that whole sequence I really like. When she has to say goodbye to Steve, I think that's a very effective moment. Especially the way it's handled, where it's not just like he like phases out in some Fades elaborate away. special effect. She just walks away. Like I think that's that's a that's a really interesting way to take that, which I, I really liked. And then yeah, she does this whole fly like learning to fly sequence. Um, where they don't play they fighters, because played it's, Foo Fighters yes, because it's because exactly. it's because it's, it's a ninety song and plus they're not using songs. So yeah, exactly. You but like it's got Adipose, the, the money boss. But, it, but it's a it's a it's a good little moment as far as like trying to visualize her adapting this new power to an to a degree. Sure. While using the sunshine score. Yeah. Did you uh, like the learning to fly sequence, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I I think that was nice. Yeah. We covered a lot of ground. Trying to look at what else we haven't talked about with the... Well, I mentioned briefly the car... Did you guys like the big car chase sequence? I thought it was okay. Like The w- one in Cairo? one in Cairo, right. Another big car chase So sequence? that's one of the... F- I mean, if, if we're talking about one of the... There's a few action sequences. I think that one was probably one of my favorites. I mean, you know, I think that was enjoyable. I To be honest, I don't even think the this movie is about action sequences it's no, more it's about it's, the... it's very action light yeah so it, it i really i mean i said this earlier i think it was the chemistry between uh steve trevor and wonder woman i think their interactions were probably my favorite part of the film so whenever they're talking to each other that's when i was most captivated by the film yeah i mean that's a good summation of, of just how their focus was so it's stuff yeah. that works because the chemistry is good. It's my my issue is just there's a lot of that when there's other things that could be happening. Well, it's uh, also there's a lot of other deeper things going on when they're having fun 
you know, escapading through the city, which is its own feeling of the movie. You know what I mean? Like it presents so, different tones. I think, Aaron, you're the most positive on the film. I think even you will ad- admit that maybe they could don't have admit ed- it, Aaron. No, admit a little a little bit of editing to shorten this. I mean, I've they're... said many times it's yeah, bloated. I've said that. that over and over again. It's a bloated yeah. film. It's too long. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I think we're all kind of on board with that. Yeah, I, there's, yeah. I, there's, yeah. There's not enough here for it to be two and a half hours. Uh, it it feels like it's two and a half hours. Like that, not in the not in the best of ways at the same time what i i think what makes me the most positive about it is the fact that I, I really respect the fact that it's being exactly what it wants to be it doesn't feel like anyone's phoned in anything it doesn't feel like jenkins just didn't know what she wanted to do it feels like she did exactly what she wanted to do it's just not the best product overall which i i, Strange, I, that's I, I I'm, I'm happy to take that over you know the assembly line version of a film like this which is what a lot of some of these are these days so it's like the, there's a better version of this in here somewhere, and I wish I, you know, had that version to watch. But as it stands, there's still there's enough I could. And also because I apparently like the ending a lot more than you do, Mark. So it's like I there's it it ended on a good enough beat for me to think, okay, well I can accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, and I'm happy with that. Woo! You guys went twelve rounds. <laughs> <laughs> Any and other thoughts? Still on, friends. Uh, Any. <laughs> Any other thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984? No, not really. We discussed it pretty in-depth, I think. All right. Well, with that said, this movie is currently streaming on HBO Max for the next 30 days. It's also in select theaters. uh, Or I guess it's in theaters, just where theaters exist. It's out there, too. (laughs) Regardless, when should people go and see this movie? Should they watch it right away? What what, what are we doing here? Mark? I mean... This is the most anticipated film of the year, and it's on HBO Max. It's pretty, you know, uh, available. I would say yes. Go try. Go watch it. I'm not the most positive on it, but I think it was enjoyable enough, and I think it's the kind of film that you know you may actually enjoy it a lot more than I. So, I mean, I think it's 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 worth checking out. Yeah, in our old rating system, uh, this would be a dollar theater, and on our new system, it's it's in queue. Yeah, I mean, I I think the messaging here is quite strong, and I feel like that's worthy enough for the film to be like, you know, in addition to being like a new superhero movie that people are going to want to see anyway, I think there's enough working in its favor for that to be like a strong reason why you should watch it. Not to watch it because of the spectacle necessarily, although there it's there. I do think it because of what it's trying to say, I think that's worthwhile. Is it the best DC movie? No, uh, but no. it's fine. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's been our review of Wonder Woman 1984. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to a little bit of uh, let's get some feedback here. Feedback, feedback, feedback. I was waiting for you, Mark. Oh well, you were here, so <laughs> I don't want to step. It helps. I don't want to step, nice. step on your toes. <laughs> This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash on a podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us some answers. And I don't think we got any questions this week, so we'll just keep going from there. Yeah. Abe, why don't you start yeah. this one well, First question is, what are your favorite superhero sequels? Jeff has X2, X-Men United, The Dark Knight, Spider-Man 2, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Batman Returns. Adam, friend of the show, has Spider-Man 2, easily. Chris has Logan and The Dark Knight. 
Oh, and happy Boxing Day. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. That's very kind of you. Um, Aaron and I are going to put our gloves on and go outside for uh, a boxing match after Definitely this. Definitely what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's either that or about kangaroos, right? Um, Todd has <laughs> Spider-Man 2, one of the best superhero movies, period. Uh, Nicholas has Spider-Man 2. Steven writes Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Uh, any favorite superhero sequels from you guys? So I will defend this answer to my death, but I think I love them both. But I think Superman 2 uh, from 1980 is actually better than Superman uh, 1 because it has the supervillains and it develops those characters. So that is the quintessential greatest uh, you know, sequel to a superhero film. There you go. Um, I mean, the ones I would mention are mostly on here with Spider-Man Two getting a, you know, a big a lot of love as well. Yeah. But um, I'll throw out there Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, which I think is one of Guillermo del Toro's masterpieces. So, yeah, who is Abe Sapien? Is he a good guy or a bad guy? He's great. Okay, great. All Abes are. Yeah. <laughs> did, did somebody somebody said Thor Ragnarok? Nope. No. Oh, so I think Thor Ragnarok is immensely better than the original. And thank you for being on, Mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. uh, okay. It was on your top ten, Abe. So. Thor Ragnarok? <laughs> yes, it was. That Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, yeah, uh, the original Thor is, uh, is actually a film that probably ranks among the lowest of my, of my Marvel films. And Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. ranks among the highest. So, yeah. yeah. It's a fun movie. Do you have any others, Abe? Uh, superhero sequels. I mean, not a lot of them have been said here. So if I, if I pop up with anything, I'll, I'll just shout it out randomly. All righty. What superheroes received a great or interesting upgrade to their costume or armor? Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes, The Dark Knight let Batman turn his head. Good point. Chris writes, Iron Man. Did he have more than one Iron Man suit? I forget. He's got a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Todd has a Spider-Man in Avengers Infinity War. where he has. But he, he blows them all up for Pepper Potts, though, in Iron Man 3. <laughs> yeah, but he's still making more. I mean, yeah, he's definitely making more in the secret dub- chambers. He's still doubling down. On these. <laughs> he's not going to let that Iron Man stuff go to waste. Favorite uh, costume superhero upgrades in these movies? So I'm not the best person to answer this, but there's sort of the difference between like the way it was developed in the comic and then the way it was translated to the screen. But didn't Superman have like kind of an update? In Are you like about other, his costume? In the other Superman movie, like the other original movies, or just in general? Uh, just in general. Oh yeah, all the Superman suits are varying. Like I mean, Zack Snyder's version's like an alien suit, eventually. Essentially, <laughs> like he's, I feel like that, like was different from like the way christopher reeve looked in the the original films so yeah this was like spandex or like right exactly henry cavill's wearing like you know skin (laughs) it is it is much more like armor than it is clothing um i'm gonna throw in uh when frodo gets his mithril upgrade there you go he's superhero right all right Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um the next question is, who are some great supervillains that don't rely on fighting the hero physically? 
Um, Todd has Lex Luthor, ruler of of Australia. Uh, Jim Dietz around the show has Zemo in Civil War. Uh, is he a captain or is he colonel? I forget. I think it's Captain Zemo. He's a Baron, yeah. actually. Baron Zemo. Yeah. Um, and Chris uh, writes, Mr. Glass. You know how he knew that he was a, a villain, Aaron? How? Because of the kids. <laughs> they called him Mr. Glass. Um, this is some great answers, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Magneto comes to mind. Um, the Ian McKellen version of Magneto. He doesn't typically he doesn't typically fight very much. He's more of a you know grandmaster. He's got a bold. Yeah. Yeah. But he like he's he's more reliant on you know letting his henchmen do the work and also just having yeah, he, you know spirited conversations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, super villains that or super villains that don't need to fight. Mm, I don't know that doc, that Mister Doctor Mister Glass is a great call. So good job, Chris. The Joker's and, typically not fighting. I was gonna say, much. what about the Joker? Like yeah. the Joker yeah. doesn't seem like that. Yeah. Like, so. like it's a it's a means to an end kind, of, especially if, like. I mean, only Ledger's only when he's season. killing Robin, though. I mean, I guess that's the only time. It's not in a movie. Okay. <laughs> All right, next question. What are the best outside-the-box casting choices for your superhero movies? Luke Thompson writes Heath Ledger as the Joker. Oh. Todd has Michael Keaton as Batman. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, they got the top two, I think. But Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, has I know him in the minority, but I really enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg as Luke, Les Luthor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chris has Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. To which mm-hmm. I ask, was that outside the box? But uh, he, thinks it, he thinks it was, so more power to him. And Mark, you put uh, Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. <laughs> but that's a, that's odd, right? Yeah, I mean, he was making French Connection and like all these serious dramas. I I have another addition. Mm-hmm. It so is. it's 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 got some qualifications, but Zendaya as MJ. There you go. Only because I know she's playing a character. That's technically named Michelle, but it's sort of based on Mary Jane. So I know when she was originally announced as the character, there was some like talk like, oh, that's, you know, different. Mm -hmm. It's there are so many like it's why not just call her Mary Jane? Why do they do this kind of like ring around (laughs) like like hiding this thing? It's it's an odd choice. I think it qualifies for for the question, even though it's got like as far as yeah, you're not seeing a traditionally white character uh, being played by someone. Like it's yeah, I I understand why that would feel like outside the box. It's just weird that Marvel is like, what if we don't tell them that it's MJ until (laughs) the end of the movie? It's like why why this game? I I I'm totally with you. Like, why not just say, you know, this is Mary Jane. That this is the character. It's uh, because uh, they they want you to buy more movie tickets, man. How would that help? Like, wait <laughs> yeah, a minute. Why, did why I, did I hear that though? right? I gotta buy another ticket. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, Emmy Award winner Zendaya is uh, in the next Spider-Man movie, but we won't tell you who she is. You're gonna go see that movie. Uh, Boom. Problem solved. Uh. Other outside the box casting show. I'm trying to think of more. Um, Atlanta when they cast Justin Bieber, that was a great cast. Just really nailing um, the the big ones here, huh? Abe? Yep. <laughs> out of the box casting choices. Well, I mean, 
they cast an they unknown Australian said, man as, as I think as, Michael as Keaton as Batman was such a major, you know, choice at the time. Sure. And, you know, it that just bears repeating. It wasn't yeah. something that people accepted. But now, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, no, he was great. Hey, Aaron, what did you say before that? What did I say before that? <laughs> I don't know. When it comes to you, just feel free to hit it. I'm just trying to think of other ones that were like, well, no, I was talking about Hugh. Jack- you know, they t- they chose an unknown, ah, uh, very, very, very yeah. tall Australian actor to play Wolverine. At the time, you're like, who's this guy? Because <laughs> you know, because right. nobody knew who he was before that. So, and now he's only known as Wolverine. Uh, John Leguizamo as the clown in Spawn. That's you know, that's a weird one. Violator. He's got a name. Yes, thank you, Abe. I forgot you're a big Todd <laughs> McFarlane fan. I love Spawn. Spawn all day. That's what Abe says. Wanda is what he says when he goes down to hell. I hope I forget if you're on our commentary. For Spawn, I was like, did I, we do a commentary? For we did Spawn? it. We did a commentary. I know Brandon Scott were on that commentary. I forget I if you like were. I feel like I might have. We talked about like all the lasers in hell. Yes. Oh yes. Spawn. Uh. Anyway, that's been feedback. <laughs> feedback. 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 Thank you. That was perfect. <laughs> And with that in mind, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing at wisetheblue.com and We Live Entertainment. Both of those sites will have various forms of top ten lists coming out at the towards the end of this week. I'm also on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag, I declare bankruptcy! Mark Hopin, where can people find more of your work online? So you, you can follow me on Twitter at mark underscore hoban and you can also read my reviews uh at fastfilmreviews.com you can find all the other episodes of out now with Aaron and Abe on itunes audio boom spotify and stitcher feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com or read our visit while facebook.com slash podcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast and catch us on Instagram as well, Instagram.com slash underscore podcast. Uh, once again, I see the reviews and ratings. Good to get those as always. Mark Hoban, thank you very much for joining us this week. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thank you for having me. And until next time, that's going to do it. So, so long. And goodbye. <laughs>